I'm Steve Schlanger, and you are listening to the Peloton of Fun podcast. Please enjoy the Peloton of Fun podcast. But in case you don't know me, I'm Phil Ligon. Hi, everybody. I'm Paul Sherwin. Tune in, wind it up, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Peloton of Fun. This is Ryland. And this is Emily. We're back again. Yes, indeed. It is time for our Tour de France preview show. The tour begins on Saturday. Are you excited? I mean, I don't even know. Words cannot describe my excitement. Um, you know, we've been living in COVID period for such a long time, since March, and clearly a lot of the sports are not happening anymore. Um, some stuff are back, but we are excited. I mean, this is just like such a grand event every year, so I guess I'm happy that it's still happening this year in, to, in 2020 instead of being canceled because so much has been canceled, especially the Summer Olympics. So this being um, still on the calendar is just like very, very exciting. So let me start by reminding you that you're listening to the Peloton of Fun. You can find us by going to soundcloud.com slash Peloton of Fun. You can find us on Instagram at Peloton of Fun. You can uh, subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast apps uh, where you can leave us a review. It would be great. And you can email us, pelotonoffun at gmail.com. Um, I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners worldwide that has been listening to us this entire time. We came back with an episode from a very, very long time. And it's just like nice to know that um, we're still here. Yeah. Thank you guys for uh, continuing to listen. And uh, if you're out there listening, drop us a line. Um, let's find out what, uh, you know, where you are. It's cool to see, um, your uh, countries pop up on the uh, stats, but but we don't know who you are. So uh, drop us a line. Say hello. So for today's episode, we are going to preview the Tour de France. Um, and we've got a bunch of news <clears throat> to get through first. Um, we've got some news. we got some transfer talk. we got some race results. And then we're going to tour the uh, preview. So starting off, probably the biggest news, which is a little preview of our tour preview, is the news that Chris Froome and Garen Thomas have been left off the Ineos squad for the Tour de France. Tour de France. Um, Richard Carapaz, who won the Giro last year uh, and recently transferred to Ineos, has been moved from the Giro squad to the Tour squad. Uh, Garen Thomas will uh, race at the Giro, and Chris Room will race at the Vuelta, is what they're saying. Um, but Emily, what was your first reaction when you heard that news? Oof, a tough one. You know, I think I was looking forward to see like the old trio back. Um, but I think I actually do understand given what happened to Chris from last year. And um, also I think how strong Egan Bernal has been. And um, it's very uh, how do you say like a, I don't, I almost want to say like a business decision to send your best players 
and you can't really linger on the past, no matter how many Tour de France you have won. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that this is probably a better tour squad. Um, there's certainly less drama about who the leader is. It's very clearly Egan Bernal, um, and Carapaz is there if he falters. But uh, but it's a very strong squad. So we'll get to that more when we tour uh, when we preview the tour. But I wanted to start with that because it, it was such a big piece of news. And and speaking of big news. Um, we failed to mention in our um, last episode um, because it happened back in March, but we just wanted to quickly uh, note that uh, the sad news that Ineos's um, director sportif, Nicholas Portal, um, actually died in March of a heart attack. And so this is the the first tour without uh, Portal, and, uh, and it's going to be kind of a sad one. Um, but But, you know, um, you know, this is this is part of the the change that's happening. Uh, Dave Brailsford's team, um, Gabriel Rash, will be taking the lead role uh, for the tour, but but they're saying that it's going to be a little bit more of a a group leadership um, DS position. So it won't be won't be quite the same. Obviously, there's been a lot of changes at uh, Ineos um, since the team Sky days, but uh, this is one of the biggest ones. So um, yeah, our thoughts go out to his family and, and friends. Yeah, especially because Bertal has been the like the press commentator a lot of the times after the race, before the race. Uh, so it's definitely going to be kind of a bummer that he is no longer present at the tour, especially since we've been watching and fans of the the team. Uh, also a bummer, the 2020 World Championships have been canceled, or or at least are currently canceled. Switzerland mentioned that uh, or Switzerland had to um, make the call because of COVID. Um, they said you can't have the World Championships here. There is some noise that maybe Tuscany or another region will um, host, but they're coming up almost immediately after the tour, so... Um, it will be very difficult to get those back on the calendar. There may be no world championships for 2020. Uh, but there will be racing in 2021. Um, let's all hope. The Tour de France has announced their calendar. Uh, it will be moving a week forward starting on June 26th uh, because the Olympics road race is scheduled for um, the 24th of um, July. So there wasn't going to be enough time, or I think it was actually would have typically been during the tour. Um, so because of that, we'll have a week earlier for that grand tour and the Vuelta will also move a week earlier. Uh, Copenhagen was scheduled to host the grand Depart in 2021, but that will be moved to 2022 because, um, Copenhagen will be hosting a Euro match for uh, for world soccer for European soccer. So Copenhagen scoots back to 2022, and Brittany will host the Grand Depart in 2021. I mean, it's a lot of moving pieces, and the fact that the Tour de France is earlier next year, I think that's kind of interesting because I know the Tour de France is like in the cycling world is kind of trumps the like having a gold medal at the Olympics, right? I mean, it's still like a huge deal having gold medal. But for example, if you're on the tour team, but you also have to represent your country in case you get injured, 
you kind of can't go to the Olympics anymore. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, well, at least it's, they didn't have it so that if you were in the tour, you literally couldn't go to the Olympics. Still, uh, what is it, like six days? It'll be um, a big turnaround to fly from France to Japan, assuming, of course, that we have the Olympics next year. Let's all hope. Uh, some quick transfer news. Lots of transfers happening this time of year. Pierre Latour has confirmed he'll be going to Direct Energy next year. Daryl Impey will go join Chris Froome at Israel Startup Nation. Uh, he's um, going to be the road captain, especially during the tour. Uh, Patrick Bevan and Mike Woods will also be headed to Israel Startup Nation. Greg Van Avermaet is leaving CCC uh, or whatever remains of CCC at the end of this year and will go to AG2R. AG2R, by the way, will be known as AG2R Citroen next year, not AG2R Le Mondial. Uh, Michael Schar, Lillian Kamajan, and Bob Youngles will also head to AG2R. So uh, with Roman Bardet leaving, he's headed to Sunweb. Uh, that AG2R squad will have a very different look. Fausto Masnado uh, is going to um, move to to kind of quick step. Actually, that's happening mid-season. He was at CCC, but now he is on to kind of quick step. He'll be at the Giro. Tannel Kangert is moving to Mitchelton Scott. Jack Hag is moving to Bahrain McLaren. Also, Bahrain McLaren will have a new name next year because McLaren has announced they will not be sponsoring um, the team after their short stint in world cycling. And Adam Yates, big news here, headed to Ineos. What do you think of that move? Um, it just seems like he kind of is over-pursuing his GC career. It kind of symbolizes, right? Because there's not that much room at Ineos. Well, I guess it depends. Chris Room's leaving. Um, there's, I mean, with Garen Thomas getting bumped from the squad, who knows if he'll be uh, at, at Ineos next year. So maybe. They need I mean, someone to, to lead the Grand Tours that Egan Bernal doesn't lead. I guess Rick, Richard Carapaz. Right. I mean, there's just a, still a lot of good riders um, at Ineos. But, uh, I mean, we'll see. So what is he going for, like, stage wins? Is that why he's there? Or he's a super domestique? I can't believe that. We'll see. That's a good question. Okay. Let's, start, uh, let's talk about the results from the uh, races since the restart at the beginning of August, there are a handful of um, non-highest level um, world world tour races that have also taken part. Just for the sake of not having to talk about every single race, we're going to skip those. And we're just going to talk about the main world tour races that have taken place. The first uh, at the restart was Strada Bianchi. It was won by Wout Van Aert of Jumbo Visma. He attacked with about 13 kilometers to go. It was a very dusty race, um, which I guess is the idea with Strada Bianchi, the white road. But uh, but it was really exciting and really, really hot. Uh, Davi Formolo came in second, 30 seconds back, and Max Schachmann was third, 32 seconds back. Uh, get used to us talking about Wout Van Aert because he also won Milan San Remo, which was the, uh, the first... Um, uh, monument of the season. Uh, he attacked with Alaphilippe on the final uh, descent. It was very exciting to see the two of them um, jockeying while the uh, peloton bore down on them, or what was left of the peloton at least. Uh, but they they stayed away and uh, sprinted uh, for the finish with Wout Van Aert taking the win. Alaphilippe just didn't quite have it. Uh, Michael Matthews 
sprinted from the pack and came in third, only two seconds behind them. That's how close they got. Um, and Peter Sagan with another fourth place. Uh, at the same time as Milan San Remo, the Tour of Poland was going on. It was five stages, and the first stage was marred by a, one of the worst, if not the worst, crash I've ever seen, at, uh, certainly at a finish line. Um, Fabio Jakobsen crashed. Uh, Dylan Gronewagen uh, crossed first, but was disqualified for encroaching on him, which it's clear he did, but it's the sort of thing you see all the time. Um, there was some really bombastic language about Dylan Gronewagen being prosecuted or things like that it was just ridiculous. Although um, the crash was horrendous. It was more of a, a circumstance of how he crashed. Uh, Jakobsen uh, went flying over the barriers straight into a marshal who was standing at the finish line and crashed into a, a stanchion. He had really, really serious injuries to his face and head. He had multiple surgeries on his face, was put in a, um, a medically induced coma for a while, but he is uh, now uh, out of the coma and is recovering and uh, is expected to likely um, make a full recovery. He will definitely not be racing again this year because of the serious head injuries, but let's all hope that he will make it back. One of the worst ra uh, crashes you've seen? Definitely. Um, oof, that was a tough one. Kind of jarring, I think, um, at the end, at the finish line. I think the, the finish line crashes, like, when people are sprinting, you always are just like super nervous if they're going to, you know, because they're going so fast versus it's a little bit different too when you're like at a crosswind, the peloton's going fast. Sometimes like people get into this like bunch crash. Um, but this one, just the impact itself, it was pretty brutal. So uh, Fabio Jacobson was given the win. Obviously he didn't race after that, um, but his team uh, the kind of quick step made um, sure to honor him throughout the race. Um, Mads Peterson of Trek won stage two on a sprint. Um, stage three was won uh, by Richard Carapaz of Ineos. It was his first win for Ineos. However, he crashed on stage four and abandoned. Um, and then stage four had a, a really impressive 51-kilometer solo by Remco Evenpole of Dakota Quick Step. He won the stage, took over the uh, leader's jersey, and uh, gave, gave a tribute to Jakobsen. Um, of course, um, we'll get to it in a little bit, but that was some foreshadowing as Remco Evenpool had a, a really bad crash later on as well um, in a different race. So stage five, the final sprint was won um, by Dakota Quickstep's Ballerini, giving Dakota Quickstep three stage wins um, and the overall win by Evenpool. Uh, Jakobs Vogelsang came in second of the GC and Simon Yates came in third. After the uh, Tour of Poland was the Criterium de Dauphiné, it almost felt like it was a Grand Tour, a very mini, very short Grand Tour, but it was so exciting. And the field was just packed with just about every big GC rider you can think of. Chris Froome, Garen Thomas, Egan Bernal were there for Ineos. Uh, Primoz Roglic, Tom Dumoulin, uh, Stephen Kreisweig were there for Jumbo Visma. So six potential winners uh, between those uh, two teams. Uh, the first uh, stage was won in a really exciting um, 
uphill sprint by Wout Van Aert. Chris Froome was dropped on the climb, by the way, uh, which would become a bit of a uh, talking point throughout the race. Stage two was won by Wout Van Aert's teammate, uh, Primoz Roglic, who uh, attacked in the final K of the climb. It was just all climbing all the time. Um, Pino Buchmann and Guillaume Martin were there thereabouts a few seconds back uh stage three was one from the break by david formulo groglic gained time on his rivals during that stage cementing what looked like a, a pretty dominant performance however stage four there was all kinds of drama um there was a really really nasty descent and um a lot of the uh, riders actually protested on the fifth stage because it was just such a dangerous protest or such a dangerous descent. In fact, some of the uh, riders had already scouted that descent, and when they saw it, they just figured that they must have been planning to repave it because there was no way they could go down it. However, they did not repave it, and a lot of people crashed, including Primoz Roglic. Um, Egan Bernal uh, had to abandon the next day because of a back injury. Stephen Kreisweig uh, crashed out. Buchmann was out. Nairo was out. Uh, so really, really bad planning by ASO on that stage four. Uh, however, stage four was won an impressive um, breakaway win by Leonard Kamna. It was his first win of his career. Uh, and then stage five was... In one of the most exciting stages I've seen because it was won by American Sepp Kuss of Jumbo Visma, a really, really talented uh, American rider who is on such an incredible team. And with Primoz Roglic and Steven Kreisweig leaving the the Dauphiné that day, Sepp Kuss was allowed to go for it, and he went for it, and he won, beating people like Pogachar and uh, Miguel Angel Lopez and Pablo Sivakov, all from, and, and Tom Dumoulin, all on that final climb. It was really exciting. Uh, Danny Martinez was right there with him, though, of Team EF, and he finished second on the day, on the stage, and took the overall GC win. So what a day for America. American won the stage, and an American team won the race. Incredible. I mean, who would have thought it is like the new era? Could this be a foreshadow of the Tour de France? I mean, we'll talk. Dauphiné. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, the Dauphiné always a, a precursor. Um, so uh, Thibaut Pino was second, twenty nine seconds behind Danny Martinez. Pino had a chance to win though, so I think that. Um, you know, I think that, that he, he didn't quite have enough. Guillaume Martin, who had a great race, came in uh, second uh, third place, 41 seconds back. Chris Room finished 71st, an hour or 26 minutes back, and Garen Thomas, 37, 53 minutes back. So um, did we think that they wouldn't make the Tour team? They certainly didn't show enough with that performance, but there's more that goes into it. Um, there was another monument since we last spoke. It was Il Lombardia. Uh, we did not mention this in our first episode because it was on the wrong date on our calendar. Um, but, uh, this is the, this is the uh, race that had the big crash by Evan Pohl of Dakota Quickstep. Very scary crash. He crashed into a wall on a descent and went over the wall and fell into a ravine. He fractured his pelvis did not look good, so he is out for the season as well. Another big talent loss for the season. Uh, hopefully he will be able to make a recovery, though. Uh, and then an even weirder, uh, Max Shackman 
at the finish line or a K or so before, 3K before, um, a car somehow ended up on the finish line or on the on the finishing stretch that was not part of the tour of the race, I should say, and then turned to get off of the road right in front of Shackman and Shackman smashed into him. Oh, my God. Broke his collarbone. So, um it's not good. Uh, he is still listed on the tour team, so he may be okay for that, but uh, that'd be pretty impressive if so. And, uh, but the race was won by Jakob Fuglsang, who's also had a good restart. Uh, he, uh, that's his second monument now. George Bennett came in second, and Alexander Vlasov in third. And then were the national championships. Some uh, some pretty exciting racing here. I actually watched some of these. Arnaud Demar just uh, barely beat Alaphilippe for the France road title. Um, Alaphilippe was in their uh, second place. Just, just can't get it going this season. Remy Cavagna won the French ITT. The Italian ITT was uh, won by Pippo Ganna. Uh, the road was won by Giacomo Nizzolo in a pretty exciting sprint. Um, the Spain ITT was won by Bello Bilbao and the road race by Luis Leon Sanchez. The Belgian ITT was won by Wout van Aert. The Danish, uh, road champion will be Casper Asgreen. The Dutch road champion is Matthew Vanderpool. The Portuguese road champion is Ray Costa. The Luxembourgian ITT champ is Bob Jungles again. I think that's like nine or something. Uh, and uh, the Slovakian road champ is Yuri Sagan. No, who's not even going to the Tour de France. I got to say, Sam, that Peter Sagan didn't compete. Right. It's like, you can have this one. Um, the, uh, I think there was uh, the European Championships, too, which I think Giacomo Nuttolo won. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, that was last night. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't write it down, but Giacomo Nuttolo. Um... All right, before we get into our tour... Well, we have to talk about this. We've got to talk about what's going on with COVID. We've we got have to talk about it. update. Uh, there have been some scattered cases throughout the Peloton. Four riders have been tested positive. Um, Israel Startup Nation's Omar Goldstein tested positive before the Volta Abergos and, and was removed. AG2R's Sylvain Dillier uh, tested positive before Strada Bianchi. Uh, our pal... Pal of the Pod, Larry Warbass, also positive. That was after Il Lombardia. And Leonardo Basso, um, before the Italian National Championships. Uh, Hugo Hule of Astana uh, actually tested positive before, after competing, I should say, at the Tour of Poland, but then went on to produce three negative tests. So he did not actually, and a, and a negative uh, for antibodies. So it turns out it was a false positive. Also another false positive for an unnamed Bora rider. Um, you know, I think the, the, if you look at that, that's actually not that bad considering, uh, you, a few positive tests, but, but people were able to isolate. It's not like, um, COVID ran rampant through the Peloton, which is what everyone was afraid of. Um, I mean, is it because like everyone's outside, but I just don't understand because like having just watched the European championships why don't they? Why do they need to have all those people at the end? Yeah, in fact, like, Nico Roach um, kind of spoke out about fans on the climbs at the Dauphiné, saying that there are too many, um, that they were too close to the riders. That's the thing that's a little scary. They're just so close to the riders. Like one of the reporter, 
his mask was like halfway down his nose, definitely not covering his nose. Like, I don't understand why all this cannot be managed. Like, why can't they just have no press at the end and they just have a press, a socially distanced press conference right after the race? Well, I think that's exactly what they will do for the Tour de France. The fact is the European championships aren't run by ASO. They're run by the European. Randoms? Yeah. Randos? But, it's like, don't, don't they just like, you can't, through? But what can you do about the 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 fans on the climb they can't close the climbs right like that's just impossible to do there will be fans there can they just like go early and do marking to get like tag with a paint like six feet apart people will not respect that though that's the thing you know and and i guess it's good that so far it doesn't seem like anyone has caught covid from a fan but the we haven't seen crowds the way that we will at the tour de france Right, which I, I think is, like, totally possible to just have, like, the village volunteers just go mark, like, No one's marking co- hundreds of miles. Just hundreds of miles. That's not happening. Six feet apart. It's, it's not circle. about the six feet apart between the fans. It's That's not the race organizer's responsibility. It's about... The fans. The fans touching. getting up in the faces of the riders, pouring water on them and things, right? I mean, like, you if you want to if you want to try to control the fans getting COVID, then they just can't have the races at all because they're if they have events, people will come to them. Yeah, I chew, do not sneeze. So ASO, ASO has said that um, originally they said that if there were two positives amongst anyone on a team, they were going to be kicked off of the tour. Um, now they're saying that it has to be two riders that you can potentially kick your staff off if they're positive. So they seem to be, um, going back on that a little bit, wondering what would happen if the leader, two people on the leader's team, you know, tested positive and that leader was then kicked off. So, um, they're still figuring it out for sure. I think it's a good sign that it hasn't broken through yet but but you know we're rolling the dice here we don't know if we're gonna get to the end of the tour de france i mean every year there is this like intense some sort of drama that's like representing this year's tour clarity this year is like the story of covid and riding through this covid period and like honestly if one of the big riders, like in the top 10, one day gets tested. I'm assuming everyone has to get tested like every other day or every three days. They're getting tested three times before they start and then on the rest days. On the rest days, right? Like say there's like two rest days and they and then it's like positive. That'd be like very dramatic. Very dramatic. Yeah, well, they haven't said what will happen if the tour gets canceled after 10 days. And like Alaphilippe's in yellow, are they just going to call him the champion? <laughs> Probably. What if it's like someone who's not very popular? Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So we're already talking about it, but um, let is, let's get a little bit deeper into our tour preview. No podium girls this year, but finally plenty of bumps because there are a lot of mountains in this tour. Uh, it is a very hilly, very, there's a whole bunch of stages that are flat stages that have multiple categorized climbs. Um, so let's start by going through those stages. The tour kicks off this Saturday, the 29th of August. It's a hilly day in Nice. There is a uh, sprint finish after two Cat 3 climbs. 
Um, and it should be a good warm-up day. It's not super difficult, but uh, hopefully we'll have some excitement there. And it's also nice to see uh, a sprint day first because that means that we'll have a sprinter in yellow on the second day which is always fun for these sprinters they never get to do things like wear yellow although it'll probably be a wild one right? i like those like the first like five or six days all sprinting uh the second day is not all sprinting though uh, there will be some difficult climbs in the mountains outside of nice there are two cat one climbs followed by a cat two climb and then they're doing something pretty cool this year they're having um bonus seconds for sprints on climbs, or so, so I guess I should say the the first peop, the the first three riders to um, get to the top of certain designated climbs will get bonus seconds. So that um, final climb uh, will have that, that bonus. It's uh, uh, I believe it's uncategorized climb, but it will have bonus seconds available. Uh, stage three is a kind of flat day, uh, leaving Nice. There are uh, four categorized climbs, but none higher than a Cat 3. Looks likely for a sprint finish or potentially some kind of breakaway. Uh, Tuesday, stage four. I'm is... to go back to stage three. I'm kind of excited to see the town because it's passing the perfume town we've never been to. Uh, so I kind of like want to see what that kind of looks like. Unfortunately, at the very beginning of the race, so oh, no, probably, there won't be any coverage. Stage, where was I? Stage four. This is the first uh, summit finish of the race. Uh, there's a cat three, followed by a cat four, then two cat threes, and a cat one Oof. will be the uh, finish. Uh, this should be a good tester for the GC. Let's see... Uh, who makes it uh, into, if Wild Art is still in yellow on stage four, he probably will not be uh, by the end of that stage. Stage five, we go from uh, flat out of gap. Um, there are a couple of stage, uh, a couple of cat fours, but not too much going on through the day. But then there is a punchy uphill finish, which oh, would be cool. kind of fun. It looks very punchy on the map. Yeah. Profile. Uh, stage six, is uh, a couple late climbs, or, or a few late climbs, I should say, two Cat 3 climbs, and then a Cat 1 with a bonus on that, and then an uncategorized summit, summit finish, which is just up a little bit from that Cat 1 bonus. Um, then we've come to next Friday, the 4th of September. This is a, a sort of transitional sprinter's day. Uh, watch out for some crosswinds here. There are two Cat 3s and a Cat 4, but... Uh, but could be an exciting day. Uh, Saturday, into the Pyrenees, the end of week one, and we're in the Pyrenees already. Uh, there is a Cat 1 in our first HC, then a Cat 1 Col de Parasaur uh, with bonus at the top there, and then a finish line at the descent from the Parasaur. Then uh, our second day in the Pyrenees on Sunday the 6th. This is from Pau to La Runes. Oh, I love Pau from pal to pal one year <laughs> uh cat four cat one cat three cat three cat one with a bonus and then a finish at the descent watch out for maybe a breakaway on this day um but those are our two days in the pyrenees neither with some that finishes interestingly enough that brings us to our first rest day on monday the 7th and then tuesday in the 8th we had up the atlantic coast this is an awesome stage with really a lot of potential for, uh, for some uh, crosswinds. If you look at the map on this one, see if we can 
go to the map, it is right up the coast. So uh, oh, yeah, that's going to be pretty cool to see. Uh, that takes us to stage 11. As we head inland from the coast, there's just the one cap four and a very likely sprint finish there. And then some hilly long days coming up. The uh, Thursday, the the 10th is 218K, the longest day of the tour. There are um, four categorized climbs, the largest a Cat 2, which is the final climb of the day, and it has a bonus on it, and then a bumpy finish from there. That takes us to Friday, the Queen stage, early Queen stage, stage 13. Here is the layout. Cat 1, Cat 3, Cat 3, Cat 3, Cat 3, Cat 3, Cat 2 with bonus, and then a Cat 1 summit finish. That is awesome. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 categorized oh. climbs. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the stage map right now. And seems very exhausting, especially even like the day before didn't look that exciting either. It's like when you're writing, you're like, when do I get a break? Never. Not week two. Nope. Because there's more big bumps the next day as we head into Lyon. Cat 4, Cat 2, Cat 3, Cat 4, Cat 4. So uh, potential for a sprint finish if they can get over those climbs. But uh, we might see some of the sprinters gone by then. I think if I was writing, I'll be like at the back of the pack. The Lantern Rouge. Yes, we'll just jump on the bus. Uh, well, if you're feeling tired on Saturday, you should probably leave for Sunday because it is up the La Grande Colombier. Oh, I love the Grand Colombier. Cat one, cat one, and then the HC finish. Why is this not Columbia. the Queen stage? I guess because it's just two, just the three climbs. There's so many climbs on that. that there's eight climbs on the Queen Stage okay, Day. Fine, fine, fine. This is clearly like the most dramatic. That's pretty dramatic, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, then that brings us to our second rest day on the 14th. And then stage 16, Alps, more Alps. Um, potentially a breakaway day in the Alps here. Cat 4, Cat 2, Cat 2, Cat 1 with bonus. And then a Cat 3 summit finish. Wednesday, stage 17. I love this stage. Look at this one. This is two big HC climbs. That's all there is. <laughs> there's some. It looks really short. Yeah, there's some run up to it. It's not too short. It's 170K, but there are two giant climbs. It's the only day that has two HC climbs. Uh, it is the Col de Madeleine and then the Col de la Loz. And the summit is at the top, or the finish is at the top of that Col de la Loz. More punishment on day 18, cat one, cat three, cat two, cat one, HC with bonus. And oh yeah, that HC with bonus has a gravel <laughs> top to it. So you're going to go over the gravel. Uh, then uh, another uncategorized climb after that with a descent finish or finish at the bottom of the descent, I should say. And, uh, and then we've got a little sprinter interlude on the final Friday of the race, uh, just the one cat four climb, but then it's, um, not over for the climbers yet because the day 20, the decider is a mountain ITT finale. How crazy is this going to be? It is 36 kilometers up La Planche de Belfi. You will remember that climb from the last couple tours, although they will not be doing the gravel at the top of it. Um, but it will be really exciting. It's a Cat 1. Um, look I, for some, some riders to switch bikes, maybe, even, before the climb. Um, I mean, I kind of like these 
end of the race time trials, it kind of really see who still has legs and who doesn't. Yeah, the only issue is if someone like Primoz Roglic, who is a great time trialist, gets a bit of a lead, he's not going to... Or, he, or, you know, he's right there. He knows he can win that day. He might not feel like he has to attack. Well, we'll see. But but it's going to be exciting regardless. Yeah. I mean, someone, you know, like Egan Bernal, you know, if he's not that far ahead of everybody else, is going to be, like, super suspenseful. Yeah. And then, of course, our final day on to the Champs-Élysées and uh, our traditional finish. Hopefully, we make it through all 21 days. Let us all, all hope. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to wake up early. We need to go to bed early. And then we need to figure out, like, what kind of cheese we're having on Saturday. I know. We got to really be worried about Kaysen hearing it and waking up. Can he come watch the tour with us? Yes. We're in his, um, we will we'll have some surprises. All right. So those are the stages. It is a very mountainous but very exciting tour. Um, didn't they say that they were, like, designing this tour for Julian Alaphilippe? It doesn't seem like it's that much for Julian Alaphilippe. Even in the race? I don't even know. We haven't talked about it. Well, let's talk about it. Let's go through the riders. Um, I don't think that that is going to show you who's on the team, so why don't you look at the list there. So this list just came out today. We had the... Um, we had, of course, the provisional list, but now we've got the numbers listed. So it's always good to see which riders have which numbers. Uh, and we'll start with number one. Ineos, of course, the defending champion. Egan Bernal is in the number one jersey. As we mentioned earlier, Richard Carapaz has been drafted in to uh, assist him. But, you know, maybe he'll go, turn out, go out and win it. Andre Amador uh, will be there uh, Jonathan Castro Viejo, so uh, four strong Spanish-speaking writers, a very different feel for Ineos. Miguel Kwiatkowski, Luke Rowe, Pavel Sivakov, who looked really good in the uh, Dauphiné, and Dylan Van Barl. You know, it's just like Miguel Kwiatkowski, Luke is like the super domestiques that are very content being super domestiques. It's like they, you know, still can go to the tour and just like support Egan Bernal Really, really good supporting roles. Yep. You can't, it's like you are forever shackled under Team Enios. <laughs> um, any, anyone, I mean, we, I, that's dumb for me to ask if anyone surprising was left off since clearly uh, the uh, right. five wins between the. Well, plus, this is the first year that there's Team Oh, yeah? Was it eight last year? I think it was eight last year. Was it last year? Yeah, or I think nine. they switched it to eight last year. Oh, okay. Um, Yumbo Visma, the other big, big threatening stacked. team. This team is so stacked. Uh, of course, um, the notable absence from this team is Steven Kreisbach, who got hurt in the Dauphiné. Primoz Roglic will be wearing the first jersey. Um, there is a little bit of buzz that maybe he's a little bit hurt from the Dauphiné, but we'll see. Tom Dumoulin's there as well. Um, George Bennett. Uh, Sepp Kuss, the American, who uh, we mentioned earlier. Very excited to see how he does. Robert Hessink. Tony Martin. And, of course, Wild Van Aert. I mean, here's the thing. This team is so good. Someone like a Tom Dumoulin is not even number one. Yeah, and, I mean, the thing about this is that this race – 
this course is not the Tom Dumoulin kind of course. I mean, I think that Tom Dumoulin could definitely win the Tour de France. I don't know if he can win this Tour de France. No, this is like a super tough mountain Tour de France. But is that kind of like every single Tour de France? <laughs> uh, Bora uh, is next with Peter Sagan in the number one jersey. Emmanuel Bookman is, um, you know, uh, their GC hope. Yeah, he has a chance. He'll be there, I think. Uh, Leonard Kamna, Daniel Oss, Lucas Postelberger, and Max Schachman on the squad. I like Bora. Bora is, like, super simple, right? It's, like, just everyone's just there to support Peter Sagan. He's super reliable, very dependable. And sometimes he does not like, need that much assistance. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he'll, of course, be going for the uh, green jersey. Wout Van Aert has announced he's not going for the green jersey, but he's the kind of writer who could just end up winning the green jersey. Um, AG Tour Le Mondial is still led for one more tour by Roman Bardet. They're bringing Pierre Latour, Oliver Nason, Alexei Viermos, amongst others. Uh, Takuna Quickstep is led by Julian Alaphilippe. He, of course, will be there, the French uh, wunderkind, although he has not looked that good in early uh, oh, races no. on the restart. It's the end of the Julian Alaphilippe? No, no, I don't think it is. It's like a super, super kid. Casper uh, Asgreen will be there with him. The sprinter Sam Bennett is on the Dakota Quick Steps um, squad. Remy Cavagna, Tim DeClerc, Bob Jungles, um, Groupama FDJ. Watch out for Thibaut Pino. I feel like we say that every year, but um, he is uh, he looked good in the the Dauphiné. Not quite good enough, but uh, I think he'll be he'll be there for sure. David Godot, Stefan Kuhn, Rudy Mallard, and Sebastian Reichenbach, amongst others, are there to support Pino. Um, Bahrain McLaren, led by Michael Landa. They also have the sprinter Sonny Colbrelli, who could be in most of those sprints. Uh, Pelo Bilbao, Damiano Caruso, Mate Mohoric, and Wout Poles on Bahrain McLaren. Do you think that uh, Landa has a shot? No. No. <laughs> And he's just, he does like whatever. He has like no strategy. He kind of, you know, bikes from his heart mm. versus his head. And I think I've listened enough to like the Lance Armstrong podcast with like talking about strategy where it's kind of makes sense that in order to win the Tour de France, you really need to like ride with your head. Uh, well, uh, we've also got uh, the very exciting team of EF Pro Cycling. Uh, I'm really, ex- really excited for this squad that they're bringing. Rigoberto Aran, Sergio Aguita, and Danny Martinez, three Colombian star climbers. I think that they are going to be really, really hard to, or, or I should say, really, really um, have some potential for a one, two, three punch. And don't forget, <laughs> I know you're laughing, TJ Van Garderen's there too. <laughs> Uh, along with them, Nelson Paulus, <laughs> Jens Kukulair, Hugh Carthy, and Alberto Betti. Okay, so let's just, right here, this episode, preview episode, let's just talk about when TJ isn't going to drop out of the race. Well, Which stage? I don't, I mean, the pressure is off of TJ. He is the fourth GC contender on the team. <laughs> he's like a super domestic. I don't know what he's doing there. I guess they've they signed him. They spent some money to get him over there. They got to bring him with them. But like, this team is about these Colombian riders. Danny Martinez just won the Dauphiné. Sergio Aguita looked amazing, uh, and Rigoberto Aran was there for the, all the climbs. So uh, is TJ there to run water. 
<laughs> I mean, and he already told us he has to fight business class. So he's like, flying business class to Europe. And he lives in Europe. Oh, he's going to come back. <laughs> uh, I'm still going to say, I think he is, we're going to see him drop off by September 12th after the Queen stage. Uh, well, uh, that, eh, I, I, I take that over. Uh, Arkea Samsic. Led, of course, by Nairo Quintana, which leads me to ask, is this Nairo's year? No. I wonder, like, Nairo is the only really, really great star Colombian rider, and now there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. He was really the pioneer, right? But, um... Winner Anaconda, Warren Barguil, Diego Rosa, other riders on Arkea Samsic. This is a good squad. It's still, like, strong. Um, Movistar, uh, Quintana's old team is kind of an interesting squad. They, they don't really have one, uh, out and out GC contender, but they have three guys that could be there or thereabouts. Valverde, Enrique Moss, and Mark Soler, all great riders. Also JJ Rojas, Nelson Oliveira, Dario Cataldo. Don't know what Movistar is trying to do. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, Trek, uh, Richie Port is leading the team, and Boki Malama is listed as the co-leader. Um, would like to see Richie do well. Okay, is this Richie's year? <laughs> yes. Richie always had, like, bad I'm year. I'm calling it right now. Richie Port will win all three Grand Tours. <laughs> Kenny Ellison, Mads Peterson, Jasper Stoyven, Ed Tunes, and Tom Scoons. Oh, my gosh. So happy to see his name. He's He's really been like on the rise ever since we discovered him. He did. When he was just on the George <laughs> Greg Van Avermaet is still leading the CCC team. Also kind of a team without a lot of um, identity. Matteo Trentin, the sprinter, is there. Ilner Zacharine, who can climb but isn't really a GC contender, is there. Alessandro DeMarchi, Simon Geshka. Not sure what CCC is trying to do. Um, Kofidis, uh, Guillaume Martin, this guy looked awesome early this season. I think that he is uh, probably, as he stays healthy, a lock for the top 10, if not maybe even a podium spot. Uh, Kofidis also have Elia Viviani now, um, who uh, is one of the class sprinters there. Uh, Christophe Laporte, Jesus Harada, and Nicholas Ade. UAE tem- Team Emirates is led by Tade Pogachar. Fabio Aru is also there, so either of those guys could look good in the mountains. Uh, yeah, Davi Formolo, uh, also Dela Cruz, and then the sprinter Alexander Christoph. Astana will be led by Superman, Miguel Angel Lopez, uh, Omar Fraili, uh, both Izaguri brothers, uh, Alexei Lutsenko, and Luis Leon Sanchez are uh, there. Astana, uh, another strong team. Um, Superman didn't quite have it in the Dauphiné, but he is one of the best riders in the pack, no question. Lotto Sudal, uh, their leader is the sprinter Caleb Ewan. They also have John Dagenkolb, so a dual sprint threat from Lotto Sudal. Thomas DeHent, Philippe Gilbert are there as well, looking for potentially some uh, breakaway stage wins. It'd be fun to see one of those guys get out there. I mean, if I was Lotto Sudal, I feel like every day it's kind of nice to not be part of this like giant GC team, right? Because you kind of feel like everyone kind of have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just like no pressure 
And it's like, if you're a sprinter, your job is to target this, the sprinting stages. And if you're just like a stage person, you can be like, oh, maybe I'll support you today. Maybe you'll support me today. Right. Kind of seems like it's very nice, like a nice departure from like the pressure of being on a GC team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelton Scott uh, will be led by Adam Yates. Uh, Esteban Chavez also there, as is Mikel Nieve. Um, Luca Mezgech, the sprinter. Daryl Impey and Jack Bauer as well. Uh, Israel Startup Nation, their leader is Dan Martin. And then they've also brought Andre Greipel, but it just doesn't seem like Andre Greipel is still really in these sprints. Um, ben Hermans, Nils Pollitt there for support as well. Uh, Total Direct Energy will be led by the sprinter Niccolo Bonifacio, Lilia Kamajan, Jerome Kazan, and Roman Sacard are there. Uh, NTT Pro Cycling is led by Giacomo Nizzolo, Edvald Bosenhagen, Michael Valgren, Domenico Pozzovivo, and uh, Roman Kreuzer. Remember him? Maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll show up in the climbs. I feel like he's like forty-five years old now. Uh, Sunweb is led by Tish Benut. Uh, they've got Nikias Arndt, Cease Bull, Soren Craig Anderson, and Nico Roach. And then finally, Vidal Concept, which is now known as B&B Hotels Vidal Concept, is that like powered a, by KTM. It's like bed and breakfast hotels. Uh-huh. Can we, can we practice this? B&B yep. Hotels, hotels Vidal Concept, powered by KTM. Powered by KTM. What is KTM? BBC. And why is there like a quote BBC? That's the, the three-letter acronym. Oh, okay. what is KTM? KTM. Um, is that like an ATM machine? No, no, no. <laughs> KTM is like a auto parts manufacturer, I think. They make like, air filters. Oh, that's cool. Maybe. Maybe. Like, are these companies, are they just like using this as a tax write-off? Is this, Are these like nonprofit teams? Uh, Pierre Roland is the B&B Hotel's vital concept powered by KTM leader. Cyril Bart, uh, Brian Cocard, the sprinter is there, as is Cyril Gauthier. And that is it. 21 teams, is that right? No, 22 was, teams. There's still a lot of teams. Oh, yeah. 22 teams. Like, logistically, it's still a huge undertaking to be moving, you know, everybody. There would be no parade, I'm assuming. Um, and I actually want to talk about how we're watching the race in the morning because I'm assuming, you know, because American reporters can't go to Europe and listen. We don't know that. You've said that a dozen times, but we have no idea. Oh, really? Very likely will be some Americans there. Oh, well, fingers crossed. Um, But I'm like super excited. Yeah, it's in two days. Two days, yeah. So I'll reveal who's going to be there. Um. Okay, but we aren't done yet because we have our annual tradition of our predictions. Oh, I forgot about the predictions. I didn't even practice. Um, well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. So we're going to go through our traditional predictions, and we're going to predict the class sprinter, the white jersey winner, the team competition winner, the overall GC winner, a dark horse pick, and the disappointment. Okay. So um, we'll, we'll alternate here. Do you want me to go first on Class Sprinter, or do you want to go first? Class Sprinter? This is not the same as Green Jersey Winner. This is the this is the sprinter who wins the most stages. Okay. Do you want me to guess, or, or do you want to go, go first? Okay, go ahead. Caleb Ewan. 
Caleb Ewan. Okay, good call. Uh, I am going to go with Elia Viviani. Okay, that was going to be like actually my other pick, but then I like Caleb Ewan. Okay. I think Nitsolo is probably a good call too, but I'll, I'll stick with Viviani. Okay. Uh, all right, white jersey, that's easy. I'm going to give that to Egan Bernal. Okay, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, all right, team competition, you go first. Team competition, honestly, I'm going to go for Yumbo Visma. Yep. I think that's a that's a pretty uh, pretty safe pick. Their team is stacked. Yeah. Um, just to be different, I'm going to go for uh, EF Pro Cycling. Okay. Dark Horse. No, GC. Oh, GC. Ooh. You go first. Um, I think I'm going to go for Valverde. You think Valverde is going to win the Tour de France? I think he, I think it's such a different year. Like, Are you sure you don't want to say that for your dark horse pick? Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should I just pick someone safe? You should pick who you think is going to win. I honestly think Valverde is going to win. All right, there you go. Yeah. Valverde, that is a bold prediction. Yes. Well, I'm going to go the opposite direction and say Egan Bernal. I think that okay. he's going to repeat. I mean, he's not the favorite. Technically, Primoz Roglic is the favorite, but... right. I think Egan Renault is going to pull it I mean, off. I just feel like this year, anything can happen. It's true. Including Alejandro Valverde. Exactly. Might as well. Isn't Here's he like first. the world championship jersey? No, he he gave it up last year. Oh. But um, but he did win two years ago. He is number 91. On movie star. But yeah. we did talk about like, we didn't really understand movie star strategy. Uh, well, that is quite the pick. Um... Do you want to also pick a dark horse? I okay for dark horse. I'm going to pick Julian Alaphilippe. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that's interesting. Uh, I I'm going to go with Tade Bogachar. Um, I don't know if that totally qualifies as a dark horse because I think he's in the maybe like sixth or seventh in the standings, but uh, or in the runnings. But I think that he's going to do really well, and then. You know, my EF pick is kind of my, my dark horse pick as well. And then your disappointment. Who will be the disappointment of the Peloton when this is all said and done? Um, I have, like, so many people. <laughs> Roman Bardet, Nairo Quintana, TJ Van Garderen, Thibaut Pinot. Are you going to say, if Tigo Pino does not do well, that would probably be the biggest disappointment. Do you want to Do you want to make that call? Tigo Pino? Yeah. We know he's not going to do well. He, like, does, when is the last time he, like, performed? He came in second in the Dauphiné. Oh. <laughs> but I feel like he doesn't really perform well. So is that your pick? No, I think... Disappointment? I think I'm going to still pick Roman Bardet. People don't remember people who are in number two. <laughs> Remember <laughs> My disappointment pick is I think that Peter Sagan will not win the green jersey. Okay, that's outrageous. <laughs> I feel like he has won the green jersey how many years? Like five, six? Yeah. He doesn't always. So uh, I'm not going to say who, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Wild Art. All right. Well, that brings our tour preview to a conclusion. Do you feel you're ready? 
I am so ready. I don't know if I've ever been this ready for the Tour de France. I'm so excited for it. I watched so much cycling the last two weeks, and uh, and I'm really, really excited. And I really, really hope that it makes oh, it I, all the way through. I'm really nervous that it's not. There's be like a shutdown again. Yeah. Everyone's tested positive. It is everywhere. I really hope not. And. Um, France goes on. Oh, there'll be like a Black Lives Matter march in the middle of the race. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be good, but I don't think that uh, I don't think we need to uh, to have. I just really hope that it doesn't get shut down for COVID. Yeah, just celebrating the sport. I think that's like very important. All right. Well, we will be back to talk about this during sometime at some point during the tour. Um, until then. Um, go ahead and find us on soundcloud.com slash Peloton of fun. You can also subscribe to us on Instagram at Peloton of fun. You can uh, sign up and leave us a review on any of your podcasting apps. Please drop us a line. Let us know you're out there listening and who you're rooting for at this year's tour. Peloton of fun at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Ryland. This is Emily. Five, four, yellow. Yellow.